Hello and welcome to Cold Mix Radio, Whiskey Charlie Papa X-Ray 66-6. This is Django Nudo, over. This is the Smut Peddler, over. Good, we have established connection. Thank God for that. So, big news this week is that Netflix, once again shamelessly copying cult picks. They have No, announced. not again. Yes, oh, I'm afraid so. Story uh, of my life. Be- becoming embarrassing. But yeah. yes, they've come up with a new corporate policy that they're going to be officially anti-censorship. And, mm. even bigger surprise, they are go pledging to invest their members' money, quote-unquote, wisely. Ah. What were they doing before? <laughs> no one knows. That's kind of interesting. Went into the pocket of the owners. Yeah. Uh, I think they were you know, burning cash left, right, and center. And let's face it, you know, for every um, Stranger Things, a couple of or several big duds. Yeah. Um, although we should mention that we, not cult picks, but our sister company had a little part to play in their new uh, Swedish television series, Clark. That is true, which is also very much debated right now in Sweden, uh-huh. as it's based on a true story, but it also starts off, every episode says that this is a story of truth and lies. <laughs> so a lot of people have a problem with, with the sort of fictionalization of this authentic bank robber's life. But mm. hey, look at Tarantino and, and, and the freedom he, he he expresses when, you know, Killing oh, off yeah. Hitler in a movie. I mean, it's or uh, this. This Charlie is Manson. fiction. You have, yeah, you have to be able to 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 you know differ between yeah. fiction, yeah. fact and fiction. But and we shouldn't be plugging our our you know rival who keeps stealing our policies. Um, but yes, our we were featured or our material was featured as props in the yes, f- indeed um, series. So. Yeah, they bought a lot of um, original exploitation movie posters from us and also actually borrowed a whole box full of Super 8 porn films. Yeah. And we should say that the lead uh, gave us a little inofficial shout-out, or rather our films, in yeah. terms of his dad. That's true, because it's also been criticized because it, there's so much nudity in this TV series mm. and so much sex. And he said, well, hey, look what, at what my dad in, did in the 70s. Uh, you know, this is nothing. <laughs> and ob- obviously, we're talking about Stellan Skarsgård. Yep. No, he's keeping up the family tradition. And his, his brother got pretty pretty naked as one of the Northmen just to show up his eight-pack. or For whatever. sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he also did before in, in Tarzan, in the reimagining That's of Tarzan. That's yeah. yeah, forgot about that. Sure. Um, but yes, no, we've always been about... Um, yeah, you know, spending our members' money wisely. We don't go out and, and you know, we could blow it all in one go, I'm sure, to get the rights to Dario Argento or Sergio Leone, but we're working our way up towards that. Yeah. So, And uh, we don't have to tell our staff to, to, to fuck off <laughs> if they don't like the content, because we are the staff. We are the staff, yes. We, yeah. We've only got ourselves to blame. Yeah. But basically, that's what, what Netflix said, that, you know, if if you have a problem with some of our content as an employee, maybe you shouldn't mm. work here. And I kind of oh, really? like that. I mean, kudos to them for that. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, this was the. We're not going to get bogged down in the culture wars, but no, no, yeah. no. But this That's was because true. there were some protests. Yeah. Uh, among the the employees. Mm. 
Interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, we don't have that kind of issue. And no. and previously they were cracking down on password sharing. And let's face it, we've never been keen on password sharing because being a small company, we kind of need to make the money to pay our rights holder partners and just paying the bills. So, yeah. And I mean, yeah. also, I, I had this discussion this weekend, but a very positive discussion with a lot of fanboys of, of cult movies is that you know for the price of less than a, a big mac menu you, you you get all of our content so per month so it's basically very very little money yeah and it is growing that's right you were at the um film collectors convention in sala and fetid for your lifetime contributions to yes i was on stage cinema. actually and, and pick it, yourself I, up yeah it was lots and lots of fun and and um a lot of of the people attending were really happy to hear about cult picks because most of these are avid collectors and they need to have something tactile to hold in their hands a VHS tape but they they could dig the whole idea of of cult picks being a sort of a complimentary service for them uh, yes. for films they they couldn't find and i was mm. actually just a, a little aside here I was quite, you know, astonished by one of the guys who told me about the uh, the, the veritable gems that are out there. Uh, early VHS from from uh, you know the early eighties. Uh-huh. He had been the owner of uh, two of the very very rarest films, and uh-huh. he sold one of them for three thousand two hundred dollars, and the other one for five thousand oh. dollars. A VHS tape. Yes. In a box. Yes. That's amazing. You and know, as we all know, they can demagnetize. So yeah, yeah, they're not going to be around forever. And no. but you know, who forget NFTs and bored apes? <laughs> the future is VHS. <laughs> and and I, I, you know, I, I'm I'm just bemused, and I I love the the fact that there are collectors that crazy. But uh, you know, everyone mm-hmm. is into something, and if you have the money and you really really need it, you know, yes, my precious. Then, yes. uh, then you buy it. You do. Um, before we get into this week's films from our good partners at Echelon, we should give a bit of a trailer preview for what's coming this week up ahead. Yes, uh, we are so happy that we have recently signed with Severin Films, which is one of the main companies for uh, vintage exploitation films. So we will do a... Um, theme week this upcoming mm. week of uh, films from Severin and the first one out is the documentary Band the Sadist Videos uh, interestingly enough uh, directed by David Gregory who's one of the uh, owners of the company mm. and in fact we have not one but two theme weeks coming out of it because we've got some I think we mentioned it last week mm. the great Mondo films but Maybe people are mondoed out from the past Mondo week. So we'll wait till next Mondo month. Yes, and we have lots and lots of them uh, apart from the ones from, from Severin. Fresh for fantasy. The past week has been a week of pure fantasy. Um, again, thanks to our good partners at Echelon. And it's it's been a real nostalgia trip. And, and this has been really called out by our members and fans on social media. 
So kicking it all off is The Beastmaster from 1982. Yes, and it's a legendary film. It is, although I think part of the legend um, has been built in many, many years after that in reruns and sequels and a TV series. Now, of course, Mm. the original uh, came out in 1982, pure swords and sorcery, um, about a man who can talk to animals and goes on a fight with evil wizards and his army. So it's sort of Dr. Doolittle meets Gore. I was just thinking that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I remember, I have vague memories of it uh, growing up, but um, what was really, really fascinating about this is that, um, you know, all the ins and outs about it, we, we don't really need to recount the plot um, of it, but it's um, started uh, 40 years ago um, when they started raising money based on this book from the 50s in, in Cannes in 82, funnily enough. Mm. And there was a lot of um, creative differences um, initially about it. One of the things that fascinate me is that originally they were going to cast Demi Moore in the female lead. Now, she was just 18 at the time, so I think she must have done some teen comedies or yeah. something, but yeah. not much. And the other lead uh, would have been Klaus Kinski. And wow. again, yeah. <laughs> one of those out there castings, you know, if only they'd hired Werner Herzog as well as the director. Yeah. Hot but, off the, you know, success or non-success of Cobra Verde and, and Aguera. Yeah. But I mean, Kinski, he did a lot of very, very strange roles. So he, he could have popped up in it. I guess. He could have. Yeah. No, it, it wouldn't have been. It just would have been even more of an interesting film, I think. And you know, not to yeah. take anything away from um, Rip Torn and John Amos and, of course, Tonya Roberts, who ended up yeah. playing the lead. And, and it then catapulted her into um, one of the Bond films, I believe. Um, yeah. And she was also in, I uh, don't remember the name now, but she was in a film where she's this jungle girl riding zebras in Africa. Mm. Obviously so. got typecast. Yep. Sort of yep. jungle fancy. Yeah. Um, and uh, other fascinating details which I've been reading up on, such as the fact that the uh, director wanted panthers, but the animal wrangler warned him that panthers aren't very cooperative. So they got a trained tiger and they dyed it black. <laughs> <laughs> and then the dye oh. kept running around the mouth where it was drinking water. Oh so it, it kind of reminds look. me of uh, Pippi Longstocking, where they had to paint a white horse with black dots. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> what is that thing about never working with children or animals? Yeah, that's what they say. Um, and also, an anecdote about the first day of filming, um, when it was going to be a, a scene with a bear. So obviously, it can talk and control all the animals, except this Russian bear, probably from a circus. Mm. Uh, it was the only bear in Hollywood at the time, so it was the go-to bear for bear roles. Yeah. He got very typecast. Um, so he broke loose, the bear, and attacked his handler, and all of the crew just ran away to yeah. safety. <laughs> Finally, they recaptured it. Um, you know, The handler was patched up, and um, then they turned back to the lead actor and director. It's like, right, now let's shoot the scene with the bear. <laughs> As they say, the show must go on. The show must go on. Uh, and, you know, the oh bear is God. very expensive. Uh, you know, his demands. Are yeah. high. But I think this also taps into the discussion now that uh, 
no one can play anything else than themselves. So the bear is the only <laughs> one who can play a bear. I guess. What was his motivation, though? Yes. You yes. Know. Yeah. Yeah. No one can um, pretend to be a bear. No. And um, so yeah, it, it came and went to the cinema. It didn't do much business, but then it became a staple on cable mm. in the U.S. Yeah. Um, it kept being shown on on both HBO and TBS, and and so much so that the um, comedian Dennis Miller joked that HBO actually stood for "Hey, Beastmasters on," and uh, for TBS it was uh, known as the Beastmaster Station. <laughs> it was foretold by witches. It was conceived through sorcery. And it was to be destroyed by all that is evil. But the courage of one mortal saved it. And so, into an age of darkness, in a time of mysticism, sacrifice, and plunder, there came the only light, the Beastmaster. And I can tell you that the entire sound soundtrack of the film is, uh, will be on our, our Spotify list this week. It's a huge soundtrack. I was shocked. It's like 40 different tunes on it. They, oh, they, wow. They, they got everything in there. It's a beast, yep. I tell you. For sure. <laughs> now, from stereotyping bears to stereotyping uh, Middle Eastern sailors, Sinbad, not the first, not the second, or even the third, but the seventh voyage of Sinbad, mm. 1958. Did you remember watching it when it first came out? I think I watched it very well. Not when it first came out. I was uh, I was just a glint in my father's eye back then. But uh, yeah. I think I saw reruns of it later on. Yeah, I think it was one of those matinee films that kept coming back and, and yeah. making the rounds, and, and obviously before going on to television. But yeah, um, this would be something that I I would see as a matinee as a kid, even if it yeah. was about you know ten years, fifteen years old by then. And I think a lot of people share that experience because they really react to especially the visual effects. And yeah. they were the um, most impressive of their time because, of course, they were by the legendary drumroll. Ray Harryhausen. Indeed. Yes. And we need to play a little clip from a special trailer for Ray Harryhausen's visual effects. This is Dynamation. This is Dynamation. This is Dynamation. This is Dynamation. Dynamation will be brought to the screen for the first time in color with the release of Columbia Pictures' The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Dynamation is a new process which utilizes new technical and scientific advances in electronics and color to open up vast new vistas in motion picture entertainment. Some of this demonstration film is being projected in color, some in black and white. But the feature picture itself is entirely in color. That's a lot of dynamation, but dynamation effectively is the stop-motion animation and the kind of green screen VFX that you know can make an actor look shrunken next to another one. It was mm. the first time it was full color, widescreen stop-motion animation that was used wow. for a feature film. It's amazing. And of course, I mean, uh, Harry Hosen has done so much in, in this type of films. And, and I'm really into the, well, I've seen them in a couple of his films, the, the, the sword-wielding skeletons. Yes. It's like, yeah, it's I, like the best. 
hadn't appreciated. I'd seen, I remember them from Jason and the Argonauts. But yeah. Ar- Argonauts. Yeah. Um, but Seventh Voyage of Sinbad was apparently the first time, and it was only one skeleton. Mm-hmm. But the yeah. sword fighting is pretty impressive. I mean, you do actually see the swords connecting, meeting yeah. when it's fighting the human. And um, the obvious connection um, was lost to me, but. Um, uh, Miss Ross pointed out on Twitter, she said um, that she rewatched The Terminator the other day. And to be honest, the T-800 endoskeleton moved quite similar. Mm-hmm. As that's phenomenal for two decades earlier. Yeah. And then I was reading up and they pointed out that Harryhausen's latest one in Jason and the Argonauts, Talos, yeah. the living statue, which um, according to this, I pretty much defined the emotionless killing machine look. Until right. Terminator came along. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's true. You take these skeletons, and if you just put a little red dot in inside the skull, they do look like the T-800 Terminator. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's quite amazing. And also, I mean, uh, Harry Hosen has been so influential that one of my favorite films is really an homage to him, and that's Flesh Gordon. Ah. <laughs> the, 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 you know, the, the Flash yeah. Gordon pa- sex parody where they have yeah. uh, uh, lots of, of these sort of clay animation um, mm. beasts, uh, like the Penisaurus, for instance, yeah. you know, uh, and, uh, and they're all like uh, celebrating the, the, the work of uh, Ray Harryhausen for sure. Yeah. Flesh Gordon is definitely a, a one for cult picks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have to find out where to get the rights for that. But. Mm. So a little bit more about um, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Harry Housen worked for almost a year, eleven months, to f- complete all of the visual effects because there were uh, a lot of different creatures. My favorite is the um, snake woman, oh yeah, uh, belly dancer, and um, you know, very very impressive. In fact, he went to um, watch belly dancers in Beirut and Lebanon. Um, you know, just get and then combine that kind of look with a cobra for the ultimate snake woman. Yeah. Although the final word in the film, I think, should go about the music. Oh yeah. Um, written by none other than Hitchcock's go-to composer Bernard Herrmann. Yeah. And um, Harryhausen, uh, sorry, uh, Herrmann was incredibly proud of, of the score. He put no less of an effort into it than Ray Harryhausen did. And he said that um, having written um, also the score before that for the Mysterious Islands and Gulliver and Jason, <clears throat> Herman considered this one his favorite. Um, he said it was you know, the finest, he said, due to the kind of um, empathy and and. Um, the producer, actually, Robert Townsend, um, he re-recorded the score in 1989, sorry, 1998. And he's on the record as saying, I would cite the seventh voyage of Sinbad as one of the scores which most validates film music as an art form and a form where a great composer can write a great piece of music.
the entire score is on our Spotify list this week. Yes, do check it out. Now, Smut Peddler, I dare you to invoke the name of the next film. If you say it three times, he will appear. Or <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want That's to hear the pronunciation no, 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 of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, Doctor Cyclops. Um, I love the title, love the film. Uh, have the Super Eight version of it. And oh really? I yeah, yeah. Well, the digest one in which is yeah, twelve yeah. minutes. But yeah, mm-hmm. and and I think that the, the the thing this is a movie from nineteen forty, and and the most astonishing thing when you read the credits, it's it's by Marion C. Cooper and Ernest B. Shodzak, who are mm-hmm. in my mind always uh, connected with King Kong, the original King Kong from thirty three. Yes, that's true. So that's cool. It is. Um, and also what sets it apart or what makes it unique is it was the first science fiction film to be shot uh, entirely in three-strip Technicolor. Oh, yeah. You know, they talk about shooting films now entirely with IMAX cameras. This was the equivalent at the time. Obviously, they'd done it for Gone with the Wind and Wizard of Oz only mm. you know a year or so earlier. But an actual full-length kind of sci-fi horror film um, shot in color this way. And it looks as spectacular as... You know, the Wizard of Oz does now. Mm. It's restored. It's amazing. Um, they, they'd done other color films before, but they were only uh, two strips. So yeah, yeah. According to and, my and, notes. And the, and the two strip technology also looked good, but when the three strip came, it, it, it you know, it, it was really Yeah, it blows it out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, very briefly, the plot is a mad scientist, would you believe it, deep in the mm. jungles of South America, has invented this method of shrinking living beings using radioactive technology. Um, And there's a very nice scene of sort of him looking into the radioactiveness of it all. It's it's very GIF worthy, Mm. uh, which is why it's on our site. Uh, And then four explorers um, stumble upon him and uncover his dastardly plan for humanity and try to stop him. What does he do? He shrinks them. Ah. So, no. being no bigger than, you know, a Barbie and a Ken, they then have to, you know, face huge dangers such as house cats and right, dogs yeah. and jungles of grass. And this was way before The Incredible Shrinking Man. It was, it was more definitely. More of a 50s sci-fi movie. It was, and, and convincingly done, again, with um, Clarice of Green Screen and so on. Didn't have Dynavision, obviously, because Bray Harryhausen wasn't around to invent it just yet, but mm. still impressive visual effects. Yeah. And what I hadn't appreciated until I started reading up on it was the fact that um, the director himself was probably particularly drawn to the subject. Uh, so this would be Ernest B. Schultzak, mm. uh, because he was a giant amongst directors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> More than one respect. Yeah. <laughs> not, not just for his great talent, but... Yeah. He he stood six foot six inches tall, wow. which in Europe is a hundred and ninety eight centimeters. The guy mm. was almost two. He must have been two meters tall with his yeah. boots on. And at that time, when people were generally shorter, yes, he stood out. So he looked down on on most of his contemporaries. Yeah, yes, <laughs> indeed, <Hollywood. laughs> indeed. Um, so I'm sure he could relate to uh, Doctor Cyclops. Um, yeah, and um, so it's never become. The kind of, kind of, um, you know, talked about 
um, science fiction film like like King Kong or ripe for a remake, but it has a special place, and, and not just because of the technical firsts of it, but it, it pops up in all sorts of places like Seinfeld and gets mentioned. Yeah. So, um, Doctor Cyclops is definitely worth checking out. Yeah, it's real cool, and I and I like the 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 whole uh, trope of shrinking people because I mean, was it last year or two years ago? There was a film that came out that was about shrinking people, but not for being you know a mad scientist or evil, but oh, yeah. to to pre, you know to to preserve Earth because less resources would be exploited if people were like smaller, eating less. <laughs> yes, with with Matt Damon. Yep. Um, <laughs> And a Swedish actress, I think I met in Cannes, oh, um, really? who was okay. very proud of having been part of this. Yeah. Um, Gotta forget the name of it now, but yeah, you're right. So that that was right. a ca- kind of a woke take on the whole subject matter, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I, I was more of the generation, honey, I shrunk the kids. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, there have been more, many examples. To them, a crocodile becomes as huge as a prehistoric monster, a rifle as unwieldy as a siege gun. A terrifying black cat whose jaws mean death. A dog looms larger than an elephant. Death in the hands of a ruthless monster. What are you going to do? As you and your fellows develop toward normal size, you will again interfere with my work. And that is something which I cannot permit. Enough, the song and this film are less than a decade apart, but really they, they feel like half a century apart mm. in terms of style and everything. True. What are we comparing? We are comparing Rocky with uh, a Sinbad, one more Sinbad movie. Yes, the third Sinbad. We conveniently skipped over the second Sinbad mm. film. We haven't got the rights to that. So this is Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger from 1977. And much better title. Um, the one in between was The Golden Voyage of Sinbad, in case mm. anybody's doing a pub quiz. Right. And um, yes, it's pretty much the same thing. Sinbad goes on another mission, uh, encounters mythical beasts um, brought to life by Ray Harryhausen's Dynavision. Again, yes. Again. Um, he pulled out all stops for it. Uh, Harryhausen worked for over a year and a half on this one after they completed shooting it. Um, so... It definitely put a lot of effort into it, um, doing things such as a minotaur and the baboon. Yeah, they they could yep. get a bear, but they couldn't get a baboon to play chess against James <laughs> Seymour. And oh they yeah, kept eating right. the pieces. Yeah. Um, so instead, they had a stop motion baboon doing the chess playing. Yeah, and also this was the the uncredited debut of Chewbacca. Yes. Peter Mayhews, yep. who was originally uh, the Minotaur, um, which cruelly he then got, you know, Harryhausen nixed him for doing mechanical one. Yeah, and um, it was same year that he went on to become his more famous role. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but Star Wars came out three months before Sinbad, and and the interesting thing is, you know, God bless Ray Harryhausen and, and Dynavision, but once you had the likes of Star Wars. And Close Encounters, it, it sort of took visual effects to the next level. And suddenly, 
The stop motion, still impressive. Swords, uh, fighting skeletons, still scary, but it becomes cute rather than wow. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I think. Yeah. And and also then of course the 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 sort of sword 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 and and sorcerer sword and sandal films were a bit lost and and it went more sci-fi in terms yeah. of special effects movies. Yeah, and in the eighties you went in you know quite a hard fantasy direction uh, for Conan and Gore and the like as we will get soon. Yeah. But it was the end of that um, kind of from the, stretching from the fifties through to the seventies. That kind of um, matinee adventure. Yes, like, and we have a few more of them in this week's theme week, like uh, the Italian Hercules films and so right. on. Right, yeah. So there, this was the kind of twilight years of that. Yeah. Um, Harryhausen did do one more film after this, and it's a good one. It was uh, Clash of the Titans in oh, yeah. 1981. Very expensive for its time, not to be confused with a bad 3D version of Clash of the Titans remake, which would come. No, uh, but the original had, was a really star-studded thing. I remember, mm-hmm. yeah, lots of big names in it. Yeah. So, for a bit of nostalgia, do check out Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger from 1977. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. 1986, where we are a decade later. Deep in the jungles with or off Amazons. Yes, with Mr. Roger Corman at the helm mm. of this. Yes, not Jeff Bezos Amazons. This is Roger Corman Amazons. Yep. And um, what's not to like about uh, Amazon warriors, buxom Amazon warriors? I love the poster. <laughs> it is. I mean, that, that poster drawn though it is, is almost not just every fancy film, but every fancy novel, mm. um, which, you know, I, I, you know, won't shame, will admit, um, did read a lot of them when I was a teenager. Yeah. And uh, quite a few of them, you know, the appeal was primarily the cover. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I, it has it all. I mean, the posters really, all the, all the, all the, the poster. The poster does, yes. The film... Not so sure it delivers on everything that the poster promises, but then again, not the first time that happens with a Corman film. Um, What it does have is it does have big 80s hair, a lot of female Amazons running around the quote-unquote jungles of um, Argentina where they filmed it, Um, and the kind of usual Amazonian um, quest that they're on. Um, the general consensus of this film is if you want to be generous it's one of those so bad it's good yeah Um, acting it was never going to win any Oscars Uh, the fight scenes are not going to impress anybody I think Um, somebody even said the dialogue is on a quality level Ed Wood movie I not so sure Um, and I mean always the the, the thing with these films is always the, the great thing about them is that the women always have perfect makeup, whatever oh, happens to them. <laughs> they do. Um, and, you know, what little kit they're wearing, they usually discard at the first opportunity for a dip in a lake or any other yeah. pointlessly gratuitous nude scene. They, 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 they do care for their hygiene. Yes, as for they sure. should, being yes. Amazons. You know, they set <laughs> exactly. an important example. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what else to say about this film. It is what it is. 
Yeah. I would. I had this conversation with somebody on um, social media and said because we have one of uh, Corman's uh, drug wars films, which was also filmed in Argentina in the eighties, and I think mm. he did something like a dozen films oh, in yeah. Argentina yeah. in the eighties. Having moved on from the Philippines and before he decamped to Ireland, yeah, it'd be it, fun was to it do all a, because of tax shelters? Usually, yeah, cheap yeah. filming location and tax shelters. An army prepares. But this is no ordinary army. For the eternal battle between good and evil comes a new force for a new age. Their name, the Amazons. Their lust for life and power. Their destiny to free a world from the kingdom of darkness, a world of danger. Last but not least, a film that I initially said we should pass on because I had a look at the uh, doing the QC quality control, and uh, it's one of those mastered glory, mastered from glorious VHS. Doesn't hold up as the other films this week, which are looking very, very high definition and stunning. This one doesn't. Yeah, I was, but I insisted. You did because <laughs> you knew it. I knew it because I, I have actually a, a couple rate. of the posters. Ah, I thought you were going to tell me you have the Super 8 Digest version. Uh, well, I wish, I wish. That's probably one of those $5,000 items for collectors. Mm. <laughs> but it's so- Tanya's Island from 1980. And it features uh, Vanity, who was a protege of princes back in the day. Yes, I hadn't made the connection um, when I saw her on the poster of the name. But of course, I do remember um, the music video on that and the song Nasty Girl. Mm. Um, which performed very well. And I think she was a Playboy model as well. So yeah. she was singer, she was an actress, she was a model, she was a bit of an everything. And she was Canadian. And she was Canadian to be. And, and to me, I, I really, I'm starting to see a pattern here because obviously we have had a Rock and Roll Nightmare before with Thor, uh, Thor this Canadian hard rock singer. And it's like Canada takes the American uh, dream and makes it into the Canadian dream. And makes these even more odd movies. Yeah, we've got another one on Cold Picks, not, nothing fancy about the Blue Man, mm. um, which is this um, TV director who projects astral states that go on a killing spree. It's, it's, you know, there's a reason Cronenberg is Canadian. People think they're yeah. nice, yeah, it's, it's, but it's they're odd. messed up. <laughs> and and well, speaking of which, and I'm sorry to, to you know, digress here, but um, Cronenberg is in Cannes with a new film, Mm. And he even himself says this this will be a hard sell for a lot of people. There will be big walkouts because it's so super gross in terms of special effects. Oh, good. So we're really looking forward to it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm loving the fact that we've got all these old timers. um, Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, um, David Lynch is also doing a new film. David Lynch, yeah, go hardcore out for, you know, really going out. Well, hopefully they'll make many more films, but definitely in their ripe old age, you know, they've lost none of their zeal. Yeah. Um, and and for Hoban with this new uh, sexy nun movie, which is Yes, exactly. That one, Bernadette, Bernadette. Yeah. yeah. Which I still haven't seen. No, me neither, but it, 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 they, they, they go all in, it seems. Yeah. So coming back to Tanya's Island, um, directed by Alfred Soleil. We have one of his other films on Culpix. Do you know which one? I don't remember. Ah, Alice, Sweet Alice. 
Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's a connection there because uh, Alice Sweetalice stars Brooke Shields, who, of course, became famous for another island film, The Blue oh, Lagoon. Yes, yes. Wow. It all it all connects. <laughs> it all connects. Um, so on this one, it's uh, about um, a woman, obviously played by Vanity, a.k.a. Denise Matthews, credited as Dee Dee Winters, who was caught up in a love triangle between this very aggressive artist boyfriend and um, her dream world, where she escapes into the painting of, of this fancy island and meets a blue-eyed man-ape. Blue-eyed man-ape. I saw that band back in 1982. <laughs> <laughs> it should be. Let's start it. Um, so the costume is by the great Rick Baker. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking back what he did, but I mean, he was Greystoke. involved in yeah, Star Wars, in American Werewolf in London, Greystoke, yeah. even, you know, Bigfoot and the Hendersons. He did so much. Once that gorilla suit, which appeared in all the um, films with Bella Lugosi, became too moth-eaten. You know, yeah. That's then when I think Rick Baker came on the scene. And, and, yeah. and also, he, he did another monkey, the, uh, the remake of Mighty Joe Young. Ah, right. And, and that original film was also done by the King Kong team. Mm. Actually, so there you have a together. connection. Yep. Yeah. Any Planet of the Apes or 2001 connection there too? No. I mean, while we're reeling off the no. monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, the, the stills from this movie, they are so um, provocative, I would say, yes. in this day and age. Yeah. Mm. The interspecies well, uh, love affair is kind of hard to swallow. Are you species shaming? <laughs> I'm sorry. <You> know. <laughs> I think that every species should stick to themselves. Yeah, LGBTs for species. Yep. Yeah. So you're you're very species phobic. I'm I'm sorry um, about that. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's actually no. I think well, we're completely free riffing <laughs> and jazzing here. Yeah, isn't this isn't this the first? Uh, I, always find a perversion connected to any film isn't this a furry's perversion you know the ones who get dressed up in in animal costumes like rabbits and squirrels oh yeah and yeah there, there, there must be that those kinds of, of of parties going on but I've, i was never probably invited in Japan. i was never invited unfortunately <laughs> so i don't know but you know they probably are Japan, yeah. i mean if people enough. dress up in you know you you have these people dressing up as horses with with stables and everything so Mm. Why not go all in with the whole animal kingdom? You know, a Noah's Ark of of, of uh, deviants. Yes. Why not? Yeah. Um, coming old, back to Tanya's Island. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try that again. <laughs> <laughs> we we keep trying to escape from there, but yeah. we do have to end up there somehow. So, um, first of all, checking out Vanity. Of course, she was also in Action Jackson. Um, yeah. So she did have other um, acting credits under her belt. And yeah, in, and in Action Jackson, she also has a couple of songs. Oh, didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. been a while. I have it on VHS somewhere Good. from the Good 80s. It's probably yeah. worth a fortune now yeah. or not. Um, 52 Pickup, I'm reading here off Wikipedia, and The Lost Dragon. Yeah. So, um, and... Oh, Final, final free association. We ha- we do have another monkey-loving film on Cold Picks we should name-check, which is Tarzana. Yeah. I think. It's true. Yes, yes. I think we have... Yeah, there there are some more movies sort of hinting, oh, hinting on this. Yeah. Uh, Blue, what's it called? 
Jungle, jungle Blue. Yes. Jungle, jungle Blue. Blue yes. As well. Yeah. Jungle Blue. Definitely. The, yeah. There's a theme week forming here. And of course, this film has a, a, a predecessor from from Europe, the the arty sort of arty farty but super sexy uh, La Bête or The Beast by Valerian yes. Borovchik, which is Indeed. a film we really need to get our hands on because that is the uh, ultimate movie in this it, type of genre. It is a granddaddy of the genre. Yeah. But of course, if you want to be literal, going back to uh, La Belle et la Bête, Beauty and the Beast, you know, yes. even even Disney have gotten in on this whole, you know, animal loving, taking animal loving too far. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. Yeah, and, they don't show uh, it all, but no. And it's a, th- a thing a thing I I noticed uh, while while researching for our playlist is that Vanity is nowhere to be found on Spotify. Oh, isn't she? No, ah. uh, none of the music. And I mean, she, nasty I think she, girl, not there. No, uh, she made. Uh, wow. You know, I think she made two albums, and she had a yeah. you know a, a, an amount of, of of hit songs, but nothing is on there. So. On the playlist, we will have Nasty Girl in the style of Vanity. Mm. Yeah, no, there's always somebody doing a cover of it. By an so. anonymous female singer. But they, well, they do... did the whole the whole song in the same style. Yeah, and you can find her on YouTube as yes. with yes. anything, of course. Yeah. But yeah, that's rare. Yeah. That's very rare. You can't find... I don't. I, I doubt that she'll exclusive on Tidal or... No, I guess uh, it's a Apple record music. label that, that refuses to, to well, be there. So. Well, you say that, of course. What happened to her is she went through some difficult years. I think there was drug abuse. Mm. And she became a born-again Christian. Oh, one of those. Yeah. So hopefully she found happiness now. But maybe that means that she's withdrawn the rights to her songs being performed. Maybe she only oh, does... Yeah. Hallelujah gospel now. Because it Could was a be. sinful time of her life, yeah. Well, she's no longer a nasty girl. She's a good girl now. That's right. So, Is it reversible, really? Uh, <laughs> we don't know, but she's not the only one. And again, no. you can tell us a few more on cult picks who have trodden yeah. the path, to found the path to Jesus. It's later true, in life. yeah. And that's we're looking into doing a theme week of, of born-again Christians who did the, the nasty stuff before. Yeah. I love that idea. You can mm. never run away from your film, film historical past. Not in the age of the internet, especially. No, for sure. You're there forever. Yeah. But um, we, we can never seem to stick on Tanya's island long enough. Um, bizarre love triangle triangle uh, between jealous artist uh, Ape Man and um, Nasty Girl turned you know, Jesus Girl. Yeah, um, and I think that even if the you know image quality is not up to par with the others this week, this is my first watch of these <laughs> fantasy films for sure. It's it's your film of the week. Yes, yes, very good. Um, we have a whole bunch of other fantasy films. Uh, we're not going to have time to go through them all, but you can obviously find them on Cult Picks under this week's theme: Flesh for Fantasy. So do check them out because they range in everything from uh, Pulgasari, the North Korean Godzilla, to uh, Russian um, swords and sandals and dragons and giants. Yeah. Um, skillfully re-edited by Roger Corman. Yeah. And and gore, of course, this amazing, uh, you know. Yes. That's that's another genre with, with uh, swords on other planets. <laughs> yes. And our only Turkish film as well, as far as Indeed. I'm aware, called Pegs. Yeah. 
which is the uh, sword and the claw. Sword and the claw, yes. A Lovely idea claw. of having a weapon that looks like tiger's claws that you claw people with. Yeah, it's it is um, you know classic to be watched as well. Um, I'd pick that one probably yeah. as yeah. my favorite it's for this week. One, yeah. Not a new one, but it's always worth rewatching. Yeah. So definitely. Um, right. We'll be back with Severin fi- several, f- seven several, Severin films. Several, several, several. Can you seven. say that fast say that. <laughs> ten times? <laughs> no, I can't. Yeah, and um, and also uh, a little shout out to our friends at Severin. We will actually meet them at our cocktail party in Cannes. Yes, quick plug for that. If you're going to Cannes and you're a fan of cult picks, uh, drop us a line. We might invite you to our very special. Um, drinks reception on the Tuesday but I think we'll be recording an episode before then so who knows what guest pops up unexpectedly yes. we look forward to seeing you there if you are there yeah. so um, we'll have a very appropriate song to sing us out of this fancy episode but for now that's all for me Django Nudo and me the smart Pepper. You were